Morning, church. Morning. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers. Alrighty. Um, got a few things I'm reading today. Um, the first one's um, Acts 10, verses 9 to 16. About noon, the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on, on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened up, opened, and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. Verses 24 to 34. The following day he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I'm only a man myself. While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with, a visit, with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when, so when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius answered, Three days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour, at three in the afternoon. Suddenly, a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good for you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Amy. Should we take a, a minute just to pray and still our hearts and ask the Lord to, uh, yeah, to speak to us from his word? Thank you, Father God, that you're here with us by your spirit this morning. We thank you for Jesus, the gift of your son, the living word. Lord, for your love poured out to us, poured out to us uh, 
by the gift of your Son, but also for the gift of your Spirit, poured out on all flesh, Jew and Gentile, and for your Word, your written Word, inspired, living and active, that we may hear your heart for us. So we still our hearts this morning and we ask Holy Spirit to come and to comfort us, to encourage us, to convict us and challenge us where needed. We open our hearts and our minds to you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So... That's a, a long reading. Uh, we, we cut some bits out of, of that chapter as well. It's Acts chapter 10. But I, I love this event in the history of the early church because it is, if you like, our Pentecost. Uh, a few months ago, we celebrated the first you know, outpouring of the Spirit, which took, took place in Jerusalem with the Jewish followers of Jesus, and that's what we know as Pentecost uh, but if, we had, if it had stopped there, if God had reserved this privilege of having the Spirit uh, dwell within us, if he'd reserved it just for Jewish people, then we who are not Jews by birthright would still be walking without the Spirit in darkness. And so it's an amazing event and, and an important event in Scripture. But I, I also love this event because God does something in Peter's heart that is so transformative. God shows Peter that what he is doing, what God is doing is much bigger than what he's doing in just Peter's patch or among Peter's people, Peter's tribe. And that Peter has a role to play beyond just his little patch of the world. There's something bigger that God is doing. And whilst this might be uncomfortable, uh, for Peter, and while Peter might not be the star of the show in this thing God is doing, uh, and while it might smash the box that he's put God into, that bigger thing that God is up to is more incredible and more amazing than Peter could have possibly imagined. Uh, so we're going to reflect a little on this this morning. Uh, we're in a series, as I said, called uh, Jesus at the Centre, where we're digging into our core value, values as a church, the first of which is Jesus at the Centre. Um, he's the head, he's the focus, he's the main point, he's the centre of all that we, we do and all that we are. For the last two weeks, we've focused on doing life together uh, and uh, what that looks like to live authentic relationships and community. For the, the next few weeks, our focus uh, will be this core value. We're part of something bigger. We're part of something bigger. And the gold, uh, we've got a colour for each of our core values, the gold representing God's kingdom, God's eternal and, um, and wonderful and beautiful kingdom that he is establishing, which is far bigger than just this little church. God's work in the world and in the church, the kingdom is establishing, the church that he's forming, the body that he's making, uh, is much bigger than just this little thing we've got going on here at the Billabong. Uh, and it's easy to get focused on just our church and our ministry and our way of doing things and our, our mission and our values and our... But we're just a small part of God's church, even in Canning Vale, and let alone Perth and Australia and, and the world. There is one church in Canning Vale, the Church of Jesus. There is one church in Perth. 
the Church of Jesus. There's one church in Australia uh, and in the world, the Church of Jesus Christ. But being a part of that bigger thing also means we have a role to play in the whole. It's not just, oh, we're insignificant, we, you know, we should just get on with our own thing. We have a part in the bigger thing. No matter how big or small we may be, we're never too important to think we can block ourselves off from the rest of the body of Christ, nor too insignificant to think our contribution isn't needed alongside others. We're a part of something bigger, something beautiful that God is doing. Uh, And the question is, will we play that part or will we just stick to ourselves? What God is doing in the world, what is that that he's inviting us into? Uh, I think it's interesting that for Peter in Acts chapter 10, God had to speak to him in a vision to open him up to the bigger thing that God was doing. He needed something quite dramatic to break Peter out of his box. Uh, Peter is uh, deeply ingrained in that Jewish mindset, that Jewish thinking formed in that culture, the religious way of life he was in. And while much of that, that thinking has been challenged as Peter walked with Jesus, And as he heard the teachings of Jesus, a lot shifted already, but there's still stuff in there which needs to be broken for Peter. He's been taught, and he still thinks, Gentiles, non-Jews, are unclean, unholy, not worthy of God. Those other people. God shows him this vision of animals considered unclean in his tradition as well and says, eat. And in true Peter fashion, he says, surely not, Lord. (laughs) Surely not. Which, of course, we would never say to God. (laughs) Or would we? Have you ever looked at another kind of church Another flavor of Christian, which seems to be, which God seems to be blessing and thought in your heart, surely not, Lord. Okay, let's get honest now, right? Surely not. We've had, we've had up to seven churches meeting in this venue at times, uh, on a, on a regular basis, that is, every weekend. Mostly it's a great blessing and a great privilege to be able to, to host those church communities. Sometimes, if I'm honest, my attitude has been, surely not, Lord, in a variety of ways. Surely you don't approve of that that they're doing. Surely you won't bless that, Lord. Surely you don't really want us to have any association with them. And that same us and them attitude I talked about a few weeks ago when we talked about doing life together, that that can so easily creep into uh, a church body, a church community is, is easy when it comes to our relationships with the wider body of Christ and us and their attitude. But they are our body. Those Christians, those churches, they are us. They are our body. I illustrated this year at our combined service with other local churches that whenever we speak about other Christians or other churches with a different flavour and stream in a way that tries to sort of put a big black mark on them, right, like like sort of branding them like, oh, beware of these people and what they believe and what they do, what we're actually doing is pointing it at our own body and going, now I'm not going to do it again today because <laughs> I like this shirt, but I did... I think it was sometime last year, you know, it's, we mark our own body, even though we think we're pointing at someone else, because they are us. But isn't it interesting that for Peter, 
this mindset of, you know, the Gentiles are unclean. Uh, this was so ingrained that Peter had to, that God had to put Peter in a trance and show him a vision to break him out of this. And Peter wouldn't uh, have just realized how ingrained this belief was, like, you know, from just uh, maybe a, a conversation with someone, it, because it was, uh, it was normal for him to believe Gentiles are unclean. It was so in, in, embedded. And that's the thing about our prejudices. They can be so deep that we don't even realize that they're there. They're so deep down. They're not on the surface. I have to admit that that's the case for me sometimes when it comes to uh, small churches. Not just small churches, but smaller churches that seem to be on the surface kind of getting a lot older and are are kind of fading away and are not, I guess, um, uh, honouring... What, the, what their role really is, and they, they're just sticking to their traditions and holding on to things and, and dying away and not actually taking up the challenge of saying, we have good news for the world here. I, I get a bit grumpy about those, those kinds of churches. Now, this shouldn't be the case because when I came to faith, I was part of a small, older church, and some of the people in that church, not all, but some, were instrumental in my early faith formation. Uh, and, and it was a, a beautiful thing. But this prejudice in me has cre- crept in uh, over time. And like Peter, God had to do a few things, but it, one of them was use a vision to start to break that in me. I, I, it wasn't a vision that I had, but someone else in our prayer room one Sunday morning, I think it was about a year or so ago, prayer team can correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was about a year ago, this person had a vision of them uh, that, as in like the group or, or some people from the billabong praying, standing in the shape of a love heart. And they were all facing outwards and they were throwing uh, seeds out into the community. And it was a vision of the standing in a love heart, throwing out seeds of God's love. Um, I wasn't in that prayer meeting, but someone shared it on a group chat later and I didn't see it for a few days. But in the meantime, I was with some some leaders from a, a couple of small churches around uh, this region, and it was just an evening we were sharing about things happening in our churches and what God's doing and so on. And one of the um, churches, the ladies um, from, from that church, all in their, their 60s and 70s, were sharing about the things that their church was up to. And there was a number of things. First, they mentioned some of the things they were doing to love their local community. And it's just incredible. They're feeding the homeless in a variety of ways, providing a clothes washing service a few times a week, have this drop-in cafe, they do bonfire nights. I think there was like 15 or 16 different things. They're just doing, just trying to love the community and serve the community around them. There's a, there's a group of about 20, 20 people, I think. And one of them described these things that they do as like throwing seeds of God's love outward into the community. Then they told us about how their roof uh, of this little old church building, sort of chapel, had been crumbling and, and they got some money, some funding to restore the roof. And so they, um, the, the roof got restored. And after this had happened, the first Sunday they there, they gathered around outside. And this is the photo of them gathering, standing in the shape of a love heart. I didn't think much about all this until the next morning that I read about the vision one of our members had um, about uh, including some of our people standing in the shape of a love heart, throwing seeds of God's love out into the community. And my jaw just dropped. I went, whoa. 
And we, we didn't sort of, we tried not to jump into assumptions about you know, what God was trying to say or what it might all mean or anything, but I think one of the points God was making, considering that that vision that one of our people had was of our people standing in love, heart, you know, uh, etc., is that we are them. They are us. We're not much different to that little church and they're not that different to us. We have much to gain from them and they have much to gain from us. And what God is doing among that little church, among many, many other little or big or loud or quiet or conservative or charismatic or young or old churches is the real genuine work of the Spirit. All of them with flaws like us, all of them with stuff God is doing like among our church family. How do we play our part in the something bigger that God is doing in his church and in his world? A couple of things that uh, this passage from Acts chapter, Acts chapter 10 shows us. Uh, firstly, how do we play our part in, in the, the something bigger? We listen to the promptings of the Spirit, and we obey the promptings of the Spirit. Now, we didn't read that whole uh, chapter, Acts 10, for the sake of time, but both Cornelius and Peter, on multiple occasions, are spoken to by God, are led into this conversation with each other that sparks the new thing God is doing by his Spirit. God's Spirit is at work all around you. God's Spirit is at work all around me. Every colleague you pass by in the office, every neighbour you wave to, every, every person who serves you at the checkout, God is at work in their life. God is at work in their family. His Spirit is at work in their networks. And, and you and I don't have a role to play in every single relationship we have. That would just be overwhelming. But God's Spirit is leading us into conversations and opportunities with some of those people all of whom he's at work in. You may only be part of a, a part of something bigger that God is doing in people's lives. You may only be a small part, but you are a part of that. You are in partnership with Jesus. He wants your involvement because he loves you. So what is the little part that we're called to play? Uh, I've just had the huge privilege recently of playing a small part in the life of a friend uh, who a few months ago gave his heart to the Lord as we sat down and read the Bible together um, and who sadly is, is, is going to, um, uh, he's, he's not well. Um, but, it, but a few months ago he gave his heart to the Lord and that was a part because many months before that, a couple of years before that, Aaron used to connect with him on a regular basis whenever he'd come in the office and just talk to him and share with him and pray with him and care for him as, um, as his dad passed away. And, and then uh, many years before that, he did an Alpha course. And, and so there's been different people who have played a little part in this guy's journey. And I just got to play a little part of that, one of the most joy-filled parts, you know, leading him uh, in a prayer to, to say, I trust Jesus with my life, and then, um, and then continuing him with him on the journey of that. But it's just a part. Everyone, a number of people were different. Different people have played a part. So are you keeping your eyes open? Are we keeping our eyes open to the opportunities God has for us? Now that could be praying for a friend who doesn't know Jesus and just asking God for opportunities for conversations. That could be asking God to show you the way your gifts are needed in your workplace that you hadn't seen before. Oh, actually, this is... I'm really important here uh, with the gifts I bring. It could be looking for a way to encourage someone else's gifts and the part someone else is playing, to be an encourager to them. As a church family, we want to be sensitive to where the Spirit is leading us collectively. Now, whether it be in visions like the one I mentioned or simple requests that come from another church, it doesn't always have to be dramatic visions. It's easy to think, 
You know, when someone asks us for some help with something, oh, we've got enough going on here. We're the ones who need help from others. We've got, we got enough on our plate. And yet that's not how the kingdom works, right? Whatever we've been blessed with, whatever we've received by God's grace, it's given to be given away. And we'll talk a bit more about this when we, we move on to our core value, we pass it on. But as a church, if we simply look for the promptings of the Spirit, the opportunities in front of us to be a blessing, blessed to be a blessing, to do our part in encouraging others, building up the body, not hesitating because our preconceived notions are, uh, we're not sure if they are worthy or not or whether, we, whether you know, uh, they've got it right. I think God will use that. He's blessed us abundantly. He's blessed us abundantly. He's blessed us abundantly to be a blessing. Secondly, uh, we recognize we need to recognize our limitations. Uh, Peter says, "I'm only a man myself." When Cornelius bows down to him, uh, as if he's a, a god or a prophet, Cornelius comes and, and bows down, and Peter said, "No, no, no! I'm just a I'm just an ordinary dude." You know, in some cases, others. Um, can you actually come to a church like ours, like the Billabong, especially if it's a small church that's struggling, they're getting older, they can come to a church like ours and go, oh, Billabong, you're much more advanced and, and, and competent and special. Billabong, you guys have it all. We need your help. We need your expertise. We need your wisdom. There are some churches and Christians we relate with who absolutely feel this way, and yet make no mistake, we are human beings exactly like them, flawed, imperfect no idea what we're doing, really. Uh, Peter and John in Acts chapter 4, when they spoke courageously about the good news uh, among others, uh, they were, they, people were amazed at their words. But the people around them called them these two Greek words, grammatos idiotes, which you can kind of gauge what that means, right? Literally, idiots who don't know grammar. And yet... God was working through them, and what was the observation about these grammatose idiotes as to why they had something substantial to offer? It says that they observed Peter and John and said these men had been with Jesus. That's what they had to offer. They were limited human beings, grammatose idiotes. All we have to offer, anyone, any other church, any other individual, comes from one thing and one thing only, being with Jesus. We are human. We have nothing to offer other than Jesus and what he's given us. Are you ever uh, painfully aware of how human you are? <laughs> I, I certainly am. Uh, seeing as I've already told you about one vision today, I might as well tell you about another one, and then some of you can just be uncomfortable for one Sunday. We'll go back to normal next week. I was in Queensland this week. I was in Queensland this week, and... Um, at a, a retreat for some pastors and leaders with Alpha Australia. And at the beginning of the re retreat, uh, we started with prayer and worship. And one of the uh, Alpha team started with the way uh, Alpha is known for always starting with this ancient prayer of the church, this simple prayer, come Holy Spirit. And uh, the leader's name is Hugh. And as Hugh said that, I had this, I had my eyes closed, we were praying, and I had this sense of uh, God's holy presence in the room, like ab above us. It was a big kind of high building, um, high, high ceiling church. And um, 
I was almost like, it was almost that feeling of I'm afraid to lift my eyes up. It's like um, that, that kind of reverence and, and awe. But then I had this glimpse of a figure like a dove, completely white, above us in the room. If you're not aware, a dove is a traditionally a symbol of the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit. But this dove-like figure was really big. As there was a big high ceiling kind of like this, and it was huge. Um, and it was totally ablaze, like on fire. And for the rest of the week, it was just a glimpse of this, but the rest of the week it was clear that the meaning of this for me as we reflected on certain things and you know, talked and shared, the meaning of this for me was God is able. God is the one who can do what I cannot. Stop thinking that I somehow need to be the one who does what only God can do. I don't, I don't have what it takes. And that's okay, because he does. He's more than able, and he's meant to get the glory anyway. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine. We, on the other hand, are limited. We're individually, we are limited as a church family, we are limited, we're human. Let's never overestimate what we are capable of, but never underestimate what God is capable of when we make room for him to move especially in relation to the part that we play in God's kingdom work. Finally, what do, what, what do we have to offer in this, this part of something, the something bigger God's doing? Well, we, we, we bring it back to the gospel always. That's what we have to offer. We read in verses, verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Spirit came in upon the, Gentile, uh, the Gentiles. Uh, what words are being spoken of here? What words was Peter speaking? Well, again, we skipped over some sections of the, of the chapter for the sake of time, but in short, Peter just declared the simple gospel. Jesus came, Jesus died, he rose again, he fulfilled the law and prophets, and here's the crux of it. Quote, anyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And I think it's significant that it was at that point when Peter spoke those words, Everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Boom. That's when the Spirit fell on the Gentiles. The pure, unadulterated gospel, the timeless message that Jesus offers, forgiveness of sins, life with God freely to all who would simply believe, not do anything, not, not achieve anything, but who would believe in his name, forgiveness. This is what we have to offer, and this is all we have to offer. This message transforms lives, it transforms churches, it transforms us. Tim Keller put it this way, and I just I love this as a, a to capture the gospel. We are more the gospel is this we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. More flawed, more sinful. People like to go, oh, we're not that bad. We are. We're that bad and more. And yet at the same time, more loved and accepted than you could ever dared hope. That is the gospel. It's a paradox, it seems, but that's the gospel. 
Friends, that message will change the world. That message is changing the world. It's not less relevant. It's not losing its power. Nor is it something we ever need to move past or improve on. It's a well that never runs dry. And when it comes to what we may have to offer to the wider body of Christ, if anything, it's the encouragement in the gospel. This is our our most valuable asset, to simply point others to Jesus and the good news that it that complete forgiveness and acceptance and worth and it is available in him. We need this message every day. Brothers and sisters in Christ around us need this message every day. So let me uh, finish by sharing for a minute what, uh, what I sense and what our team feels are some ways that God is and may be calling us to play our part in the something bigger that he's doing in the world and in the church. Because we can't do everything, but there may be something. So first of all, we know this facility provides us with some amazing opportunities to bless the body of Christ, right? Now, as I said, at times we've had up to seven churches meeting here, now it's about five. Whether that be hosting other congregations or it's allowing an event to run here or midweek ministries for churches that don't have a building, that's a privilege and sometimes it requires sacrifice. But we know we are here, we're blessed to be a blessing in that respect. Secondly, we have these growing relationships uh, with various partners overseas. God is at work wonderfully in all parts of the world. And again, we can't do everything, but Camille and Derek in in Thailand, um, organizations supported through Ping Pongathon in Thailand and Cambodia and so on, uh, uh, the work of Across in South Sudan through Tear Fund. You know, it may feel as if our contributions in this space are just a drop in the ocean, but actually we get to build a relationship with many of these partners and not just throw money at them. Um, and for some of them, it makes a massive difference. And I'm beginning to realize how much of a huge privilege this is. If, honest, if I'm honest, sometimes, oh, what's the difference it's making? It's a huge privilege. And it's a significant part of what we're able to contribute uh, to the kingdom, those things I mentioned and more. Thirdly, we are church planting. And as I've said many times uh, already, this is not so that we can tick the box of, we planted a church and now we can be done with it. We want to be a church planting church. A church uh, and pl- a church of plants churches who plant churches. Um, that may be uh, that that may in the future be look different. It may be in partnership with with others, like not just doing it on our own. And I hope that will be the case. It may play out in a variety of ways in terms of helping revitalize another church. All we know is that we want to step into what God's already doing in that space in the world, rather than focusing on you know uh, you know our our thing and what we've got here. But finally, there's a growing number of opportunities opening up for us as a church community, um, as a church family, to make a difference within our denomination. Um, the Uniting Church is a weird and wonderful place. For those who don't know, we're part of the, uh, the, a movement called the Uniting Church. It's a weird and wonderful place. It has strengths. It has flaws. But most importantly... What the average person sees on the surface, the sort of the public persona, the, the typical I- image of what uh, the Uniting Church seems to all be about, be all about, is not necessarily the same as the work God is up to underneath the surface. Uh, there is a growing hunger for God. There is a grassroots level return to gospel-shaped ministry that is frankly a work of the Spirit and it's exciting. 
And, and, and I believe, and our team believe, that we have a role to play in that. Just a part, but it is a part, particularly in WA. And we don't know 100% what that looks like. There's really no kind of concrete strategy or anything. But in the coming year, what it may look like is simply a bunch of congregations covenanting together to partner in the gospel, what the presbytery is calling clusters. Uh, and, and we're already in close relationship with some other churches like South Mandra, where our brother Yoy uh, is part-time as a pastor now, uh, two Sundays a month, um, as the Anans, Samuel and Rachel and Amelia and Sam head to Rockingham at the end of the year. I think there'll be a continuing connection there. Um, there's something really special happening uh, at Geraldton, and, and I'm thinking maybe a road trip might be on the cards for us. Not sure about that yet, but we'll see. Um, I think uh, with David and Roz there last week, yeah, yeah, we were sharing about the beautiful stuff God's doing there. Whatever this all looks like, and we don't 100% know yet, my encouragement to us, to all of us, is this. Lean into what God is doing. Pray, God, where is our, what is our part in what you are doing? There's something bigger you're up to. And be open to this, this attitude that Paul um, and his friends had, where they say, it seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit. Finally, uh, a couple of requests. Things I'd, I'd love you to just engage with in the next couple of weeks. Um, Next week on the evenings of uh, September 12 and 14, the Tuesday and the Thursday, a week or so away, we've set aside time for uh, cake and conversation, um, dessert and discussion, coffee and chats, donuts and deliberation, whatever you want to call it. Um, I don't know exactly what dessert there'll be, but we'll work it out. And this is uh, to, to do with what an associate ministry position here at the Billabong will look like in 2024 and beyond. Our, our team have been so encouraged uh, by the, the response to our pledge campaign in June. If you haven't heard, this resulted in an increase in giving that's going to allow our team to grow um, by a, a good amount. And part of that consideration will involve how we as a church might be able to contribute and are being called to contribute to the wider body. What are our greatest needs internally and what are the needs we see beyond that our church and our team may have a role in? And so please, I want to encourage you, come be part of that conversation. We're putting on those nights so you can come and ask questions and go, we want to hear what your thoughts are. But finally, on Sunday, September 17, I know I've been mysterious about this particular morning coming up in two weeks' time, and to a certain extent, the mystery will continue. Um, sorry about that, but there's a reason for it. Uh, here's what we're doing in two weeks' time, September 17, Sunday, September 17. We're calling it One Church Sunday because it's a chance to remember that there is only one church in Perth, the Church of Jesus Christ. The Billabong is simply a part of that one church that Jesus is building. So on that day, there won't be a service at the Billabong. We'll be dispersing to go and serve and bless a few other churches. Uh, what we're not telling you yet is where you'll be going um, because that's not the point. It's not the kind of, okay, well, I think I'll go to that church because that looks like it'll fit me. Uh, that's, that's not the point. It's not a pick and choose kind of thing. There's a couple of churches that we've selected, a team selected, and the mission of that day is simply to go and bless them, to go and bless them with, with, with our presence to, just to be there. 
Uh, their people don't know we're coming, bar a couple of the leaders at each of those couple of churches. Uh, the churches are each within reasonable driving distance. It's not Geraldton, so don't worry about that. Uh, there will be opportunity to um, carpool from the Billabong. We'll have that all arranged if you want to, or you can just drive there yourself. Early that morning, we'll announce via email and message and, and, and social media and website, you know, everything, uh, where you're going based on life group, or if you're not in a life group, we'll probably do by surname or something like that. Um, uh, for people with kids, we'll attempt to allocate you to a church with a kids program. It may not be possible, but we'll do our best. And the goal of this morning is, again, plain and simple, to bless, encourage, build up whoever you meet. We'd ask you to prepare to give that morning. Take cash uh, to contribute to the offering just to bless that church. To share why you're there if you're asked. And I don't mean talk about the billabong. I mean just say we believe God's at work in his church and we just wanted to become, come be part of that on this particular day. I'll say a few more things about this in the coming week, uh, next week and, and we'll send an, an email out with all the details um, uh, with plenty of reminders. But I want to encourage you, this will be a Sunday off from our volunteer rosters, but don't treat it as a Sunday off of church. Not, don't, don't have this like, oh, Billabong's not on that day. No, Billabong is on that day. <laughs> Billabong's happening, just not here. Mate, make it your priority to be part of this. It won't be the last time we do this, but it is the first. And I believe it's the beginning and, and maybe the beginning of, of something the Spirit is going to do, not just through us, as if it's like, oh, God, how special are we? Are you? But something God is wanting to do in us as well. Uh, God wants to shape you and I into people who aren't just caught up in our thing, but are consumed by what he is doing, what his spirit is up to, um, and what nothing else than just to be part of the bigger thing that he is doing. So can we pray and uh, we sing praise to God and just ask him to shape us and form us um, in this way. Father, we thank you that your spirit is at work. We don't have to uh, look too far to see that um, you don't just completely depend on us to try to advance your kingdom. You are doing that, God. You're just inviting us into it. Help us to shift our mindset just to be looking for what you're up to individually, uh, in our workplaces and spaces, but also then as a collective body, God, that we may look to live this value out communally, um, corporately, to sense what is the bigger thing that you are up to in the body of Christ and the part that you have for us to play in that. We submit that into your hands. We don't want to play the part that's for someone else to play. We want to play the part you've called us to play. So help us to know that, to sense that, to, to discover that, and to be obedient to how you're calling us. In Jesus' name we pray.